You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together this morning. We turn to the letter of Paul to the church at Rome, chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless And do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace With everyone, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's also now turn to Lord's Day 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 55. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, all and every one, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, you will understand, I trust, that it's hard 
if not impossible, to link the Lord's dealings with King Jeroboam to this particular celebration of the Lord's Supper. So we'll save Jeroboam for this afternoon and instead turn to where we were at, Lord's Day 21, question and answer 55 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It is, after all, deals with something that naturally links up with what we are going to do in a moment, and that is the celebration of the Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we ask ourselves, what does question and answer 55 of Lord's Day 21 deal with? Well, as we have read together, it deals with the expression that you find in the Apostles' Creed, the communion of the saints. And in that expression, we already see a connection for is one of the popular names for the Lord's Supper not communion? Is the activity that we are about to partake of not called a communion meal? And so this morning, please allow me to say a few words about communion and the other communion. First, we'll look at the expression, the communion of the saints and what it means. And then we'll see how it connects naturally with this communion meal that we are about to celebrate together. And so I preach to you on the theme, Connected Communion. Well, beloved, when we turn to the expression, the communion of saints here in Lord's Day 21 and ask about its origin, we have to say, first of all, that in all honesty, we do not know exactly where it came from. Nor can we say exactly where it was gotten from, what particular Bible text, for example, because it's not a Hebrew expression, it's not a Greek expression, it's not in any of the biblical languages, but it's a Latin one. We can't either really connect a theologian's name to this particular expression, nor can we give a date as to its origin. And one more thing, we can't tell you its absolutely precise original meaning either. All we can say is, number one, it's a very old expression going back to the very early Christian centuries, And number two, it was a very common expression in the church of that time. And number three, it's an expression that really describes the church of Jesus Christ from yet another angle. You know, last time in question and answer 54, we we saw the stress there was on the work of Jesus Christ as the shepherd who gathers, defends, and preserves his church today and forever. Now, almost all of the stress in question 54 is on Christ, but you'll notice there's also a little stress at the end on us as the members of the church and on us being living members of the church. So the first question and answer of Lord's Day 21 is about Christ and about his members. But then you come to question and answer 55, And really, it's in a way not even so much about Christ and the members as it is about the tie or the link, the connection between them. And if you ask, what is that link, what is that connection between Jesus Christ and the members? Well, it's one of sharing of fellowship, of participation. Church members, members of the church, it is saying, are shareholders. They are fellow shippers. They are participants. 
And if you ask in what, what do they share or participate in? Well, you know, the common inclination is to say that we share in stuff or we share in values or in ideas or in activities, but that's not true here. This is not about being a member together with other people of the Otter Co-op. This is not about belonging to one or other debating society. This is not about being part of a pro-life society. It's not about belonging to a ski club or a soccer team. No, it's different and it's distinct from all of them and all of that. And what makes this kind of fellowship different in one word is the name Christ. For it's first and foremost about sharing in him. You know, in Romans 8, verse 32, we read these words, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? There the Apostle Paul is saying that God, the Father, gives us all things. But that the foremost thing that he gives to us as believers is his Son. First, he gives us to Christ. And then, along with him, Paul says, he gives so many other gifts as well. So, beloved, the first and the prime thing that we need to see together this morning is that we share together in Christ. God gives him to us, and through faith in him, we may share in him. We share in his person, we share in his work, in his life, his sufferings, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his enthronement, his coming again on the clouds of heaven. In short, we share in the totality of his person and in the totality of all of his redemptive works. And that's why the Catechism says first that believers all and everyone as members of Christ have communion with him. So, beloved, that's what ties us in a sense together. We all have the same person as the object of our faith and hope and trust. We have communion in Christ. But of course, we not only have communion in Christ, we also have communion, in a sense, in all of his treasures and gifts. And you know, that includes a whole lot of stuff. It has to do with gifts like righteousness, holiness, mercy, love, forgiveness. It has to do with gifts like apostles, prophets, teachers, and pastors. It has to do with temporary gifts and lasting gifts, with miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation, with peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. You know, the list just goes on and on and on. There are so many wonderful gifts that we share in because we first of all share in Christ. And then, in his gifts. And so, beloved, the expression, the communion of saints, means that we get to share in Christ, 
and we get to share in his bounty. And that's not all, for we also get to share in all of this with others. Notice, it's not the communion of saint, it's the communion of saints. Take note of the plural. And that means, very matter-of-factly, I'm not the only one who is so privileged. You are not the only ones who are so privileged. But all believers, all the saints everywhere who through true faith believe in Jesus Christ are shareholders. We all get to share in Him and in His profound blessings. But even that's not the end of the story. Not only do we get to share in together, but we also have a calling to share out together. You'll notice the Catechism says, the gifts of Christ that we receive are to be used readily and cheerfully for the benefit and the well-being of the other members. If God has forgiven you much, then you have an obligation to teach others about the meaning and the beauty of forgiveness. If God has taught you the lesson of patience, then you should exercise it in your relations to others. If God has blessed you with peace, then tell others about this marvelous blessing. If God has given you leadership skills, well, then lead on. The gifts of Jesus Christ to his church, are meant to be used, employed, demonstrated, practiced, and implemented. They're not for hoarding or boasting freely and with a smile. They're to be used to enrich the lives of other believers and even beyond. And so really, beloved, you can say the expression, the communion of saints is a wake-up call for the church to count its blessings and to make the most of these blessings. But, you know, it's not the only wake-up call. For you can say, not only are we kind of woken up to this reality whenever we come to the Apostles' Creed, but also whenever we together as a congregation may celebrate the sacrament of our Lord. Biblical scholars learn or lean more and more in the direction that this expression, the communion of the saints, comes from another expression, namely the communion in or of holy things. And if you ask what that refers to, well, first and foremost, the communion of or in the holy things is an ancient reference to the Lord's Supper. In other words, every Lord's Supper is to remind the church of the fact that believers share in Christ. By means of the bread and the wine of the sacrament, we are reminded that we are spiritually united and called upon to share in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we share 
here in his person. But you'll notice we also share here together in this sacrament in his works, forgiveness, righteousness, life, restoration. It's all there. It's also about the fruits of his redeeming work. And one more thing. This sacrament is also a calling. A calling that all the believers are reminded about that they need to use their gifts to bless others, to benefit them, to promote them, to encourage them. And so, beloved, as we together this morning partake, let us consider carefully about who we are really sharing in and in all of his gifts. And let us also go beyond considering these things, for Christ and his gifts are meant to be used to build each other up in that holy Catholic Christian faith of which we make confession. That's our calling. That's our duty. And that's also our joy and our glory. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.